Hi, y'all. This is Kristen Chenoweth. Hi, I'm Gloria Stefan. This is Sarah Bareilles. Hi, I'm Patty Lapone. This is Lynn Manuel Miranda. You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you ching. From the launch your online shop stage all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. So you really want to make a podcast? Do, 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 do. Yeah, what if we just sang our um, music? Maybe we should get some real music, Samantha. The podcast came. Oh, you're still recording. Three, two. Survival Jobs is a podcast spotlighting artists, their side hustles, and their passions. Hosted by Samantha Titsolo and Jason A. Coombs. Boom. Sweet. Okay. Love it. Hi, Jason. Hey, Sycorax. This episode is dropping July 15th. Now we're talking way from the past because, you know, <laughs> of all my travels. But if it's July 15th today, mm-hmm. that means the film festival is next week. Oh my gosh, it's in a week. Tell everyone what to do. Guys, I will be there, and I just found out today I'm going to be a moderator, and I yes. can't even wait. So, y'all, we still have this discount. If you want to get tickets, please, you can save 10% on your tickets by putting in the code BFFSUMMER on our website. But, yes, Sam was like, tell him all the details. So, I'm going to take three minutes to let you guys know all about the Film Fest. So, we're showing eight film blocks, right? There's a female future, the future is female block by women creators. There's a black stories block. There's an LGBTQ block. There is an animated block before we show Moana. Yes. You're also showing a uh, lockdown diaries, like films made during the pandemic. They're not all about the pandemic, but they were made when people were looking for to, to be creative during this like really frustrating time when everybody was stuck at home, right? And there's a horror block. And uh, which is like a family kind of like family ties are calling it to open the festival. The horror block yes. is going to really transition us into our next guest. And I know we'll do a little mic check before, but how yeah. dope is that? So Edward, Edward, his movie Make a Wish is playing at the Bridgeport Film Fest, Dark Night of the Soul block, the horror block on Friday night. So if yeah. you're going to listen to Edward, you guys are going to fall in love with him because he's amazing. And you're going to want to see his film. So you're going to want to come. You're going to use that discount, save 10% off. And tickets are mad cheap, y'all. A one-day ticket is $12. So if you save 10% off of 12 I think that's two fifty ish maybe. Hello. Maybe. I don't know. Uh, I was really bad at math. Still see, am. Like, yeah, <laughs> but it's like 10 fun. bucks. A weekend yeah. ticket is twenty five. That's like three, you know, twenty five dollars for three days. And if you get the ten percent off, that's like less than that. So, <laughs> I have a question. Yeah. That's something I don't know. Are there any like aside from the films? Are there any like yes. events? We have a screenwriting event on Saturday with a gentleman named Brian Hogan. He is a MFA uh, screenwriting professor at Sacred Heart University. So he's doing a screen. He's doing a work uh, like uh, turning your your thoughts and your your work um, into like a, like your ideas into like a screenplay, you know? Um, I need to go to that. You should, you should. It's, it's you know. I might. It's, well, if I'm not busy being my talent liaison. Yes, yeah, she's because Sam is our duties, talent liaison. Or my moderating duties. <laughs> yeah, so we have that on Saturday morning. We also have a women in film and TV panel. And we have some amazing women. We have Kristen Donaldson. She's currently an actress on the show Flatbush Misdemeanors on Showtime. Hello. 
So she's going to be oh, talking wow. about being a working actress in film and TV right now. We have Makiba Ross. Um, she's a director and a producer. Isa Fatima. She is a Muslim director and writer and producer and actress. Susan Bedusa. Sahar Al-Sawef. Trish Clark is the Nutmeg Institute president. Like We have amazing bomb-ass females who are going to be talking about being bomb-ass females in this industry and how we need to have more bomb-ass hey. females in this industry. So I'm super excited for that. We love to hear it. <laughs> oh, wow. That just got me That just got me hyped. I was doing yes. a dance. I know. Like, I wish people yes, could see you dancing. Tell me more. Tell me more. Tell me more. <laughs> I was feeling that. I was feeling it too. I'm excited. I'm hyped. I can't wait. And thank you. I thank you so much for including me and being a part of the festival. I can't wait. Thank you. Yeah, Sam is gonna be. What am I gonna wear? We gotta get dressed up. What am I gonna wear tomorrow? (gasps) On Friday night, we're having a red carpet gala at four o'clock. You want? Do you need me to run the event? I'm an event player. I know. I don't know if you know this. <laughs> but yeah, we're showing this documentary that Sam is moderating called And Seen, directed by Liz Ortega. It uh, challenges the mainstream perceptions of disability through the perspective of an actress and wheelchair dancer named Jamie Patrone, who's originally from Connecticut. Um, and it's an incredible film. It's really beautiful. You see her, her, her journey as an artist. And I was like thinking about who can moderate this. And I'm like, fuck, obviously Sam, because that's what we do every <laughs> week talking to artists about their journeys. <laughs> and I, so I had to yeah. ask her. <laughs> I can't wait. I'm, a, I'm so excited. Yeah, that's going to be super cool. And then we're showing Moana for free. So if you don't want to buy a ticket for the weekend, but you want to come see Moana on Sunday Moana. at 1.30, we're going to show a couple sh- animated shorts before it. And then we can watch Moana. That's completely free. If you can't make it to anything else, buy a ticket for the whole weekend or just for a day. And there's going to be food trucks. We're doing a live art exhibit. We have this painter coming in and doing a portrait of Chadwick Boseman outside. We have a filmmaking oh workshop, how to film on your cell phone um, on Saturday. Like It's like a lot of really cool events. Check out the website. It's going to be a lot of fun. And you'll get to meet me and Sam because we'll be there. And it's going to yeah, be Yeah, we incredible. can do a survival jobs pod host meet and greet also. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yes, we will. Just DM us if you want to meet us. If you want to pick, we'll send it to the Instagram. <laughs> can you imagine? Yes. If people are like, oh my gosh, I have to meet these <laughs> They will. And also, we're, we gave up okay. free tickets last week, right? For our last episode. We'll do that again for this one, I think, as well. Yeah. I think we said mm-hmm. that last week, too. DM us. Yeah. DM us something. Whatever week. The first three people who DM us something... We were begging for last week we said, <laughs> Yeah, last week we said DM us your favorite episode, I think. And yeah. this week DM us your DM us your dream guest Ooh. to come on. Yeah. yeah. And say also I want tickets to the film fest. Yes. And we got, we got you. you. We got you. We got you. So come check us out. Um, it's gonna be a lot Jason, of fun. Jason, I am so proud of you, and yeah. I know I've, I've said this before that my ex boyfriend Adam, shout out, used to say <laughs> he hated when like his peers would say they're proud of him because mm. he thought it was like degrading. But I don't think so. I think it's like nice. It and is I nice. Am. Like I, even just hearing you describe the whole weekend, like that is incredible. That's amazing. Thank you. I had a lot I of help. I cannot wait. <laughs> yeah. So in conclusion, people. Go to the film festival. Support this amazing thing Jason did. Thank with you. a lot of help, but he's very humble that Jason did this and but has been busting his ass. I can barely juggle just doing the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> so it's crazy. He, like this this past week I was like, Jason, you have to do all of the editing. I have three <laughs> interviews. Like I couldn't even juggle that after the year of like laying it's hard. in bed for a month. It's hard. So he is a 
superstar extreme. Thank you. So let's go support him in Bridgeport and film makers of all kinds. Yes, it's going to be super exciting. Thank you so Boom. much. Mic drop. Thank you so much for doing that. Yeah, <laughs> mic drop. Major, major mic drop. <laughs> I don't have much to say. I just really wanted to talk about the festival today. And Thank you. Get people hyped for that. And no. It's July 15th, and that is shocking. Wait, what's the space it's going to be at? Can oh, yes. At the, I, I don't even know. Yeah, the Klein Memorial. So it's um, a 1,400-seat theater. <laughs> and we were like, you know, back you know, in the spring, we were like, yeah, we need to socially distance people, keep everybody spread. But now, like, everyone's like, who cares? COVID's over. Obviously not me and Sam, but, like, other people. <laughs> yeah. But, um, yeah, it's a historic theater that Martin Luther King spoke at and a bunch of other people. Um, it's a historic theater. Yeah. It's beautiful, gorgeous um, equity house. So in Bridgeport, you know, and Bridgeport gets a very negative reputation. That was like my big thing. Actors for Actors equity? Um, yeah, like they do like touring shows. I mean, I wish more touring shows went here. Um, do you know I am equity? Do you, should I tell them when I walk in? Should I have my equity? <laughs> it'll be on your, be on your laminate. <laughs> I have not paid my dues in over a year, so I hope I'm still equity. I don't know. It's fine. It's a pandemic. <laughs> we have to talk to Edward. Yes. Get your tickets. BFF 2021. Is that right? Yes, it is. Yeah, that's our hashtag. BFF 2021, baby. Jason, tell us about Edward. Yes. Edward. Please. Please. Edward Hong is an actor based in Los Angeles who has somehow etched out a working acting career for the past decade in TV, film, commercial, stage, and Edward. voiceovers. He's a creator of the BIPOC slash PGM voiceover list that currently has over 1.3 thousand voice actors of color and has recently ventured into producing his own content with the horror comedy short film Make a Wish, which has currently been accepted into way too many festivals to name, but most notably being Holly Shorts, Rhode Island International, Fantaspoa, Film Quest, Nightmares, New York City Horror, Scream Fest, and many, many more, including the Bridgeport Film Fest. He is also the proud father of three cats and has an unhealthy obsession with Cinnabons. <laughs> Sweet. So we get him into the Zoom? Get Edward into the Zoom. Get him into the Zoom. Get him into the Zoom. <laughs> Barbara, can you bring Edward into the Zoom, please? Our virtual assistant. Barb. <laughs> All right. Edward. Hi. <laughs> Hi. Hi. Welcome. Hi. Thank you for having me. Thank you for joining us on a Friday. By the way, oh people, it's Friday. This is coming out on Thursday, but today's Friday. Mm-hmm. And it's nine o'clock in the morning where Edward is right now. But yes, he's it there. Is. He's up. He sure is. Oh, wow. You know, I didn't even put that together. <laughs> wow. You look great for 9 a.m., especially oh, for the I, I'm glad. I'm glad to hear that because uh, let's see, I got about like four or five hours of sleep. Um, oh my gosh! And then after a, after this, I'll take like a half hour break, and then I have a Zoom edition. So, and then after that, then I yes. have to go record for a gig out in the Burbank area here in Los Angeles. So it's gonna be a busy day, and then I can finally rest after that. But well, uh, you're booked and busy. Wow, I love that. booked and busy. <laughs> I love that, Jason. <laughs> <laughs> Well, thank you so much for joining us. I always, I know I've been saying this on the past couple of episodes, but I love when Jason knows somebody and brings them onto the podcast because it's so exciting for me, not knowing you or ever meeting you. So I'm super excited to talk to you. Thank thank you. Uh, when we met, it was through, <laughs> it was through the 
Green Fest Film Festival last, it was like October of October, right? Like around Halloween. Yeah, it was like, yeah, yeah, pandemic time. I was telling Sam that there was like no official kind of like meet and greet because of the pandemic. So it was like a drive-in, drive-through, drive-in, drive-in. It was drive-in movies. Um, Your movie was playing. And so was my friend, my good friend, Jacqueline. Her movie was playing Mm -hmm. as well. So I went with her to support and your movie was awesome. We'll get into that later. But I remember like after the screening, we were all standing in like standing in this big circle, right? Like just like with our masks on, we're all like eight, 10 feet apart from each other trying to like talk about, you know, how great your movies were. It was a very interesting time. So tell us how you've been over the whole pandemic. It's been a wild ride. So let us know how you've been doing, how your art's been, how your mind has been, what's going on. Wow. Uh, <laughs> this question, I'm sure... I know it's a it's a it's a it's a it's a big one for many of us. How do I where do I begin? The pen I am currently good. Like but throughout the pandemic, like many, it was in, certainly rough. As many of us when it started out, especially when the shutdown orders happened here in Los Angeles like around March 13 to 15th of last year. It was hard especially obviously for everyone in in California but in for my particular field in terms of actors and the creatives it was this part, it was especially hard because it was like there was at that point there was no way to perform there was no way to audition there was no way to do anything so if you take away the one thing that we were dependent on like you know the idea of like being able to act to, to audition kind of thing it certainly made us a little stir crazy and I know it applies to everyone who you know not just people who are actors but for actors who that's the that's their identity that's what they are dependent on it was particularly rough so that and then along came like the zoom theater thing which was like our way of adapting to it (laughs) which at first was very rough it was Mm -hmm. it was it was terrible like you know most of the zoom theater was just like a bunch of people coming out wearing their pajamas clothing and just trying to do like (laughs) acting and it was just it was bad for the audience because it wasn't really fun to watch. And but for actors, I mean, it was a release. So there was that. So there was so there was that aspect of the journey. And then it, like the pandemic, it just went on these huge up and up and downs kind of thing. And so, some of the things I talk about does affect to why I did what I did, especially the voiceover lists that we will talk about later. For sure. But when I had my first, as we all did, our, our first quarantine birthday, my, my birthday is May 26th. Not too long after that was the George Floyd incident. It was the George Floyd. Yeah, so, it was right after. And then yeah. when, and so that affected obviously all of us. And then not too long after that too, this, because of the pandemic and uh, the Black Lives Matter movement. And then there was like, uh, especially in the theater scene, there was a movement to kind of like address the systemic racism that was very rampant within the theater community and obviously sure. Hollywood as well, but theater, especially because it has been so riddled with these issues and the terms of like predominantly white institutions and how yeah. it has affected uh, artists of color. And so there was an explosion of just like these confessions, these stories, these, these horror stories of just like what they went through in Broadway, how it affects like, us as artists, whether like a lot of times we don't get the jobs or even be seen or when you do, how we are treated in that sense, how, how we are treated as like the token minority or like if, or if it's a major or most major theater companies, they will use them as like, here's the minority plays of the year. Here's the black. Exactly. Play. Here's a, yeah. But they will never see <laughs> yeah. us for 
the main like the like if they're doing a Shakespeare production or another production of Guys and Dolls or whatever, like when those good old chestnut favorites for white people, they will never, <laughs> they will never. Yeah. So then that affected me personally because, in a way, I kind of me and a few others waged a war with a former acting school. Like this school, like was、yes. riddled with these problems for a long time. And was it worth it? I say yes. I think. At this point on, and I think a lot of, especially not just artists of color, for people of color, they also have some experience that the pandemic was the point where like things that we used to take for granted, and not just not just artists color,、uh, as well as like people of historically excluded communities, whether it be women or LGBT、yeah. communities, where they're like the things that we used to, you know, people would do to us that it was no longer acceptable,、yeah. and that was like、sure. the learning point of it. So. In terms of the question of how I've been doing during the course, of the pandemic, <laughs>、yeah. it was a massive learning process of just like、totally. where my integrity was and where like if if someone said this to me or did this to me that I would just be like nah you know and if it didn't sound polite it's not it's like it's I'm just、mm-hmm. gonna tell you that what you just did was extremely racist or extremely problematic and you're gonna have, you're gonna know about it so there was that now we go to like the end of 2020 things got better and then obviously things got a lot worse because cases were going up crazy in there especially、um, in LA especially in LA、yeah. um, I think at this point like like a lot of us I lost a few friends to the pandemic so I remember it like in the beginning I lost、uh, two of them. And so I took it very personally when people did not believe in the pandemic or people who、uh, were like,、oh, "Don't live in fear," that kind of thing. At this point, that、yes. term "don't live in fear" it's like a trigger for me. Like you say that, I'll probably、sure. get really mad at you because it's so dumb when people say that. So that like my partner has been with me in terms of like I go through these huge mental like. Mood swings and、mm. just like where I'm great and I'm crashing, <laughs> or I'm just crying like hysterically for no reason, or I'm just raging and I go through all the, these emotions. So thankfully,、mm-hmm. I think it has calmed down, or at least just be, just accept that there are people who don't take the pandemic seriously, and we can't do anything about it. They're they're adults. We're adults. Yeah. What can you do? I am good right now. Like you know, the acting, like the community has survived. Like the We have been able to perform, and even during the height of the pandemic, like SAG after the un- actors unions have been really good about like、uh, enforcing the COVID protocols. So there was a way to for actors to get back to work. Edward, I just wanted to also like I remember our friend, our mutual friend Jacqueline, who I love. Shout out to Jacqueline. She was telling me about like all, before I met you. She was telling me about what was happening with this act because Jacqueline was a member of this acting school as well. Yeah. So she was telling me, and I was just remember I was just so impressed. Like even before I knew you, but she was telling me about. This guy in her clear in her class who was taking on this system and like,、um, it's very admirable and you should be very proud of yourself. A side question I have、um, because I, I had a similar kind of experience, not with an acting school, but with like a management team where I I allowed myself to like put up with things that I probably shouldn't have. But then like last year when all this shit was happening, I was like, no, I'm not, you know, I'm not taking it anymore. Did you feel like any kind of like guilt or anything about that? Like about Maybe not speaking up sooner. Yes, definitely. And how did you get、um, over that? Is my second part. I don't know if I exactly quite got over it.、Uh, it still, it still lives within me. Like there are things that I、For、wish、sure. I spoke out or it was unacceptable. Like 
like I would tell one story that when people ask about like my time there and there was one particular story that stood out, which was just like it was in the advanced class. And so there was a black woman, a large black woman who were who was in the class for reading. Like she moved up from the intermediate class to the advanced class. And yeah. the teacher had this thing where at the beginning he would say he would recommend a voice coach because he was just like, so you can play around. You can like, you know, experiment your voice um, because it's good to have range, which sounds fine on paper. But then by the second time she did a scene, now we understood what was the intent of that. And when he asked her again and she was like, oh, no, I didn't take I didn't do the, any of the voice classes. And he said, why not? And she's like, I didn't think I needed it. And then he got mm. into the reason of it. And that was where I should have been like, man, there's something wrong with the school because he was like, for a large, this is a white man telling him this black woman, for a large black woman like you, you need to be able to have a deep register so that your voice can match your body. And so she was that just makes like, me yeah. fucking, that makes me so enraged. I am mad. So she was just like, her eyes just widened and she was just like, yeah. Okay, hold on. Did you just tell me that my voice that I'm proud of, that I this is my voice that I've been raised with, like I was born with this voice, that I need to do something because you're telling me, a white man, that my voice is not acceptable in the industry. And so once she started going to that, this this teacher just like leaned back in his chair and was like, you have a bad attitude. And Everyone was just like, whoa. Like these people should not, these types of people, sorry to interrupt you, I'm mad. These types of people should not be allowed <laughs> to be teachers, okay? Or people <laughs> or humans. Yeah. I mean, I, I feel you because I, I used to run an acting school. So I, I I saw a lot of that as well. So it's not, you know, I, I was in New York doing it. So it's, it's widespread, unfortunately. Yeah. yeah. Thank you for sharing all of that. I know it's like very... Uh, it's a vulnerable place to be in to share that so i appreciate you opening up with us no problem wow how do we transition to survival jobs after that i what i will say is you know i feel like the steam has kind of lowered if i hope this doesn't just get sidetracked you know i hope people don't yes. get complacent and That's i like think my biggest thing is like we can't get complacent we have to keep the fire going on this yeah yeah and i think i think and you people, are doing that that's what i was just gonna say the people with platforms and artists especially won't let it get complacent right and so no. yeah I, hopefully I the people with platform sorry keep yeah, on I, doing I agree. the thing wow we ju- we I mean we started this episode heavy jason i, I am with it. you ha- i love it too <laughs> but now how do we make that transition like okay big turn <laughs> <laughs> Well, I'm fine with big turns because I know this is all about survival, Joe. So we we no, where we love talking about everything here. Yeah, yeah, it was like this is an artist's journey, man. Tell us, have you have you worked? What was your what was your what was your best survival job? My best survival job, man. I don't know if there was the best survival job because they're all kind of rough and they're they all all are rough. Yeah, (laughs) not because it's like. Yeah, I think that I can tell you the worst survival job, but the best survival job. Yeah, if you don't have one, you don't have one. And I don't I have one. Bad. I think honestly, because cool. it's like they were a means to an end, and so yeah. kind of just tolerated. So, like, I had like a bunch of restaurant jobs. Um, so yeah, I had a bunch of restaurant jobs that I was grateful to have because 
you know, just having employment is excellent. Totally. But then obviously the stress of just working 30 to 40 hours or 50 hours a week, even, especially like when you're really low on money is even if the place is great, the people are great. Uh, but just working, especially in the restaurant industry, as anyone who can attest who does work in that field Hello. is the most exhausting, like soul draining aspect of like the service. It's, it's because, you know, you're dealing with humanity. You really have to deal with humanity. And when you are placed in a position where they really do see you as above you, then it's just like a good, great insight, which then I would go, if I ever have like children of my own, I, they, it would be a requirement that you have to work in a service industry. You will really see how humanity treats you. Like yeah. you will see good ones. You'll see the ones who really see you as humans and really acknowledge you and be like, you know, just because you're a server doesn't mean you're just a server. You're another human mm -hmm. being and mm -hmm. I will respect you for that. And then for you sure. see the ones who don't like, you know, and so <laughs> I've worked in like fast food chain, I mean like fast chain restaurants to like the higher end restaurants. And it doesn't, there's no preference. Like sometimes I actually prefer like, the Applebee's and the Chili's because it's like, you know, if there are egotistical people, then that's what it is. But then there's something about people who have money and they see you and they talk to you in a certain manner. It's like some are nice, but the majority were absolute scumbags. And so that, you know, that might actually cover into my worst survival jobs. So, yeah. um, but yes, uh, best survival jobs, I would say really like, Okay, there is one, but then I think it's kind of cheating because it was kind of like in the acting field itself. When casting director workshops used to be a thing, I worked, oh, yeah. for, I worked for a facility called Actors Key West. And so the people were great. And it was just great, like hanging around. I was just a receptionist. It was just great hanging around, you know, doing the most simplest task and then just meeting like other actors and casting directors and agents and just like talking with them. And it's great because it's like, it's still part of your industry and it was super chill and the, the, the people at the top are great. So yeah, I would say that might, that might be my best survival job. It didn't pay that much at all because it, it is what it is, but the experience was nice. Good. Aww. That's nice. So what was, do you have a specific worst or just, it was in general? <laughs> yes, I do. <laughs> that <laughs> laugh. <laughs> uh, the worst one. Oh my God. Uh, it was when I first moved to Los Angeles at the beginning it was okay. Um, it is, uh, it is a 1-800 company that involves dentists. I just basically gave away what company it is. Um, <laughs> but it's a 1-800 place that at the beginning wasn't bad. It was like, you had to work 40 hours a week. You were basically, we were the customer specialist. So basically it's like you, you like anytime anyone needed a dentist, they would call and we would be the ones to pick up like, and I would do my customer service voice, but like, thank you for calling 1-800-DENTIST. My name is Edward. How can I help you today? And so, <laughs> yes. so it wasn't bad at all because we worked, we had to work eight hours a day, 40 hours a week, but we could leave any time if we had an audition and just come back and just finish the rest of the hours. And at the beginning of the, like, the first seven months, it was good. The CEO was super chill. Like he had a great and relaxed environment for the company. Like if people had like basketball, mini basketball hoops, they would, they would shoot them or like we would bring our guitars and we would just kind of like play around until we had calls. And so it was just like this entire floor of people. There were like maybe like a hundred people on this floor. So it was mm -hmm. a huge like in, environment. And then like when the, you know, like all things, when the CEO retired, and a new oh, CEO no. came. 
and then we called it like basically the draconian like the 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 dictatorship because like he was like all these fun things like you know these this basketball you playing computer games and all that kind of thing eliminate it eliminate them all you, you need to be focused on your job at all times no distractions whatsoever i didn't take well at all to that so i think my inv- my mood soured greatly to the point like you know if the people because in this in this particular customer care like you know i most of the calls were unfortunate i got to understand a lot about how crappy american healthcare is because a lot of people did not oh, have oh man like here we had, go with they that had, <laughs> they had medicaid which is like just crappy state assistance dental care and so it's just like people who had like major complicated teeth problems, they would be like, I had like my like back tooth, like fraction and a half, and I don't know what to do with it. And then like all I could tell them is that if they all, all they have is Medicaid, then the only thing that they can do is the dentist is to pull that tooth out. That's it. Like that's, that's the only solution. So yeah, it was frustrating because it was just like, you know, we would refer them to a dentist and then we would refer them to a dentist that when a customer callback was like, hold on, on Yelp, they had like 50 one-star reviews. Why did you refer me to this dentist? And I would just be like, the official answer is that they were certified by 1-800-DENTIST. So they are a good wow. dentist. So that was what I had to say. And, it got, wow. and then when the new CEO came, I would just be honest and just be like, it reminded me of that scene from The Incredibles where uh, the main character, like he works at the insurance place and then he yeah. tells people like okay this is what you really should do yeah. i started doing that i started being like all right you're right like and i would look up on i'm like yeah this dentist is i wouldn't say terrible because i was still being recorded so this dentist i do understand your concerns with this dentist i would recommend checking that search service that you just used yeah and look for the dentist <laughs> in your area that has good reviews <laughs> And you can go from there. <laughs> and so I did get called up from that. They're like, Edward, we heard you say that. That's oh not, my you shouldn't do that. It was crazy. And then there, and the, what, how I got fired from that job ultimately was that I worked a late night shift or because, you, you know, there were times I would take over the graveyard shift. So I worked from like 9 p.m. to 5 a.m. And oh so gosh. we would get strangest phone calls. Like I would get so many people on meth or some sort of weed or cocaine or some sort of thing. During yeah. those times, I had one caller who, like, thank God bless him, he committed to being Smeagol and Golem for no, three no, hours. no, no, like no, he, no, no, or just really hey, Edward. I'm sorry, I was just trying to practice on my voiceover skills, so I thought that would be a good way to. Like you're committed, but so the, the call that got me fired was that there was this woman who you know, had this tooth problems, which is fine. Like, you know, she needed someone that can help her at two in the morning. I was like, I, you know, I'll do the best I can. Most dentists are asleep. And at this point, you're gonna have to pay emergency out of pocket. And so she was like, I want a dentist who can take my insurance and I don't have to pay out of pocket. And I'm like, okay, I already knew the answer. The answer is going to be impossible. It's going to be no. But, you know, you don't say that to a customer. So I kept going. I was like, I kept looking. I, I call these dentists and most of them are like, I'm, I'm asleep right now. I can't do anything. And then there was one dentist who was in the Las Vegas area. I remember it was Las Vegas. And it was like, I can help her. She is going to have to pay out of pocket until her insurance can cover her. And I got back to the woman and she was like, this answer is not acceptable. You're not doing your fucking job because oh, I need a dentist who can cover my insurance right now. And I'm like, 
that's not how it works. It's two in the morning. You are going to have to pay out of pocket because it's outside of business hours. She's like, I am a lawyer. I know how these things work. So just find me a dentist where I don't have to pay anything out of pocket. Okay. And then I just got so (laughs) fed up with her. I said, lady, tough luck. Okay. Go find your own dentist. (laughs) Call the phone. And then I was just sitting there. I'm like, this is not going to be, this is not going to bode well for me. Sure enough, <laughs> about like 10 minutes later, one of the other callers get, get, he gets the lady and then he gets the complaint that there, there's a guy named Edward who said this and he told me tough luck and he hung up on me. What kind of place is this? I'm going to sue your ass. I'm going to sue this place because, you know, I am a lawyer, blah, 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 blah. And so he told the, the person who was running the floor that what happened and then she was like, hey, so I heard about this. I'm not to ask you to go home because like, you know, this is not going to bode well. And I'm like, OK, <laughs> what so, a snitch that person was. Right? Yeah. So then like Asshole. so then so then like then it was like uh, the next day it was like a later show, 3 p.m. I was like just working. Everything was quiet. I was like, oh, OK, everything's fine. All right, cool. And it was like around like 5 p.m., two hours on the floor that they're like, Edward, we would like to see you in the office. I'm like, ah, yes. And of course, lo and behold, it didn't take long at all. There was like a nice, fat little envelope on the desk. And when you see that, you're like, ah, yes, this is the end. I am fired. I'm totally fired. And yeah, I was. I was fired. They were like, yes, yes. you heard about this. (laughs) And the lady said that she was going to sue us, and that's very concerning. So we are just going to let you. On what grounds go. is she going to sue? By the way, yeah. I mean, so she wasn't a fucking lawyer. Give me a break. <laughs> so if she was I... a lawyer, she would have better insurance. She would have a place to go. <laughs> she wouldn't be calling this fucking hotline to exactly. find a dentist. Give me a break. So, so that was so when they fired me, they're like, "Oh, we're so sorry." And then I remember I kind of like startled them. I was just like. I'm actually really happy about this. Thank you so much. Like, <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Your company sucks, by the way. And then I left. Um, <laughs> How good did that feel, though? To like say those words at the end. I know it felt good. It felt good. Yeah. Just, like, your company sucks. I wish I would. I wish I would like <laughs> fuck you, motherfucker. Yeah. I'm like, yeah but it's if to say Edward, we've interviewed 14, 13, 14 guests. 15, I don't know, Jason. I don't even know where I am anymore. That is my favorite worst survival job story so far. So congratulations. I give you that award for this this deep into the season. That story was gold. I'm sorry you had to go through it, but like, what a good story. You produced and starred in this really awesome short film called Make-A-Wish. That And that's how we met, right? Like we were saying before, I went to this film festival and I saw your film and it's incredible, and I and correct me if I'm wrong, but you've been accepted into what over fifty festivals. Uh, way more than way more than that. Way, yeah. Okay. okay. So officially, <laughs> it got to a point where I'm just like I used to like really like track how, what the number was. I'm like, oh, these are how many number. Now yeah. I just created a laurel called. I just it, the laurel is just officially way too many festivals. Like that's where yes, we're at yes. right now. <laughs> like if you were to ask, okay, but if you're like Edward, how many is it really? I'd be like. It's currently at 130. Like it's so I was way off. 130. Wow. It, it's it's <laughs> it's accepted to 130. Yeah, 130. And so like people are like, oh, That's and then, amazing. And it's and then you know I know people are like, oh, some a lot of those festivals are probably like garbage anyways. I'm like, yeah, some of them are a little like throwaway festivals, but a majority of them were like acknowledged, respected genre horror film festivals. So the fact that 
are yeah this okay so in terms of how this short film came to be it started with my partner because she needed better demo reel footage that's what it was it was just like i just need better demo reel footage because everything i have is utter garbage we so i was like okay well we need so what can we do and so then there was this writer friend uh ivan sang who wrote this uh, version of the script and it was something that was collecting dust for years it was something that was just sitting around and so yeah. the beginning was just like we would just take a simple camera and just point and shoot and just shoot something and that would be the end of that so that was the beginning of it, it was like there was no there was no intentional film festival circuit whatsoever but just like we're just wow. gonna shoot it and just have footage of it. And then we con I contacted directors I knew who who might be interested. And then we were lucky to have the director we have, Din Tai, who just got off the success of his first short film that got into a also a gajillion short film film festivals and got him like, got him fellowships at NBC and ABC and wow. like he did an internship with Ryan Murphy because of this short film. Wow. And so the fact that he was like, I, I asked him and he immediately said yes within a minute later. And I was like, wait, hold on. I haven't even sent you the script yet. He's like, yeah. I don't care. <laughs> Let's just do something. And I'm like, okay. But because we had Din involved, like things just somehow exploded where like production value went up considerably. And then he brought his people yeah. on board. And then, then we had to, then we brought a third producer because we're like, crap, we need a third producer to make this work. And so we brought in Diane Foster, who like was an experienced producer, kind of like helped us along with a lot of the things. And so wow. what started as a very simple project became to that, uh, this thing. And then like when we finished and we're like, all right, we're going to do film festival circuits. And then we did like, oh, yeah, we did Kickstarter to raise funds because I did believe that even though it was my partner and I, Josephine Chang's our first time really producing something, we wanted everyone to be paid. Like even though this was a passion project, we wanted every single person to be of paid. Yes, it wouldn't be at the normal daily rate, but it would be at, you know, would you be okay with this kind of rate? And thankfully all of them were game for that. It was great that every single crew person was able to be paid. And then we had money for the festival submissions. And so when we started submitting wow. to it, we just thought, it, we did not think this was a horror film. This was just going to be a comedy. It was just a comedy, yeah. you know, albeit a dark comedy, but <laughs> just a comedy. And so when we started submitting early, a festival did contact us and was like, hey, we loved your film. You submitted to the wrong category. I'm like, what category was it then? Yeah. It's, a, it's a horror film. <laughs> It's all it's it's a genuine horror film, and we're yeah. like, it is. It's a horror film, wow. which also might say a lot about our psyche. My partner and I, psyche, <laughs> we it was a good old comedy when it was in fact a horror, <laughs> a yeah. horror film. <laughs> so we're like, great, That's so good. Since then, like you know, how it got to the number that it did, 130. That also means that I submitted to a lot more film festivals. Yeah, I was gonna ask that. I went nuts so on it because my and i got to my my partner had to stop me it was like you better stop fucking submitting to film festival <laughs> stop right now we're gonna because go those fees me. right also those fees are gonna get you yeah and then i did tell her this i was like don't worry about that because like once we got into like once we got into screen fest and like the higher caliber ones uh yeah because screen fest is like the number one right like yeah, it's one of the, in it's the country one yeah and so we really see i know i'm learning so yeah, we, we learned a lot. And so we like, especially <laughs> like, what are the big, big genre festivals out there? Once we started getting yeah. into those, I started learning. I learned from like another festival goer was just like, you should just ask for submission waivers. Like once you get into enough really good film festivals, either that 
or you have like a major celebrity that's in your feature or short film, yeah, yeah. straight up ask for feature like submission waivers. They might not give it to you because, of course, they need to eat, so they need festival fees. But a lot of them will just be like, "Here, here's well, here, here's a waiver," or they're yeah. like, "All right, we can't give it to you for free, but how about seventy percent off?" And yeah. I would take it. I'll be like, holy crap, that's amazing. <laughs> and so the latter half, the festival submissions were submission waivers. It would just be like, you know, like because we got into enough of these film festivals that the ones that they would recognize, they were like, oh, yeah, that sounds good. Doesn't mean we would get into them like something like, you know. But the great thing is that if you submitted to a film festival for free and they rejected you, you didn't pay for it. So what's the harm? Exactly. So, yeah. Yeah. That, so we are now at finally at the end tail end of the festival circuit our last last film festival that we are airing is going to be the end of october for film quest how amazing is that and and i gotta do a shameless plug your film is going to be at the bridgeport film fest <gasps> that we always talk Yay! about it's screening in our dark night of the soul uh which is yeah it's like a whole it's like not not only horror it's like thrillers dark comedies you know um, so we're super excited that you're going to be screening there, of course, because it's amazing. It's amazing. Well shot, well produced, well acted. You were phenomenal. And that's your partner, right? Yeah, your partner. Is yeah, I mean, like, female. yeah, incredible. You guys are a powerhouse duo. Oh, yeah, she <laughs> and I, I'm glad that this film, in terms of the awards that it get, the majority of it was given to her as best actress. And it, it did its she job. Kills it. it is it is her demo reel. Like it is supposed to be about yeah. her. And so I'm glad that she's getting the recognition that she did. And uh, that is where, you know, you did your job where it's like, you know, if it was supposed to be a demo reel footage, but it became fancier, but they're getting acting acknowledgements to who it was designed for, then you did your job as, you know, the demo reel creator. I'm also so obsessed and inspired that this just started because she needed some footage for her reel. And you guys created this monster essentially that's like, killing it so congratulations that's so inspiring and we talk about this a lot about creating your own work and just doing the thing and that's amazing we, congratulations we got to through this festival circuit yeah. because we met along other horror filmmakers so yeah. this short film has like led way into uh, us working with them and then also us working with another horror filmmaker named meg swertlow who great filmmaker and decided to make a romantic comedy that had no horror whatsoever oh wow so, it was her <laughs> experiment to do something that had no horror in it. And then for us to be cast again as the real life couple being in this romantic comedy, which we were extremely grateful for. So I think if yeah. anything, I just thought I was talking to my partner. I'm like, I've never done a romantic comedy because, you know, when you're in a historically excluded community, you don't really get those opportunities. So it was just nice wow, yeah. to just be doing that. But um, you created this wonderful listserv with like, Oh, and I, I don't want to get it wrong, but I think it's over a thousand now. That's correct. Uh, voice of an artist of color, which is extremely, extremely powerful and like amazing. So, like, can you explain more of like what drove you to, to create this list and and why it's so important for you to do it and how to grow so fast? Because you said it's been a year, right? Yeah, you just celebrated a year of this. So, yeah. congratulations on that as amazing. well. Uh, it's when I saw when, like when I looked at the Excel sheet and then just saw like when exactly when I created <laughs> it, it shows you like it's it started on June 30th of 2020. And so I was like, wow. okay, what does that mean? That means that it was just at the tail end of our that war I had with the acting school, like it, it, it was near the end. So I think it might most likely it was like all that 
pent up energy and all of that because we didn't exactly win. That was the thing because that school was so stubborn and they stuck with their ways. And so nothing was accomplished. So I think there was a lot of like this frustration, this pent up energy. And at that time, there were also major discussions and articles and I saw um, in Hollywood Reporter of like, you know, prominent white celebrities would like leave certain jobs. Like I know, like would it be like uh, when it, like the Simpsons, when it came to Apu or when it came to like Family Guy and the character of Cleveland, like it would just be like yeah. no longer having white actors voice those characters because it was not appropriate. It was like, you know, you're basically having a white man play a black guy or a white man playing an Indian man. There were these massive discussions of just like, oh, you know, and then the big question is, where are these voiceover artists of color? And I was like, what do you mean, where are they? Like, I, they're, they're everywhere. So <laughs> yeah. but then I was like, maybe they really don't know. So then I just, when it, when it first started out, it started out as just like for the, for the Asian American voiceover artists. It was just like, it was just for Asians Americans. And then quickly within like a few days later, someone did suggest, hey, you could probably do a lot more good and spread it to everyone, like to the BIPOC community as a whole. And I was yeah. like, that is one hell of an undertaking, but what else do I have to do? So I'm like, you know, I, got so much, <laughs> I got so much free time, let's do it. And so then it just yeah. expanded. I created the different sections. And then a lot of it in terms of how it exploded was like, thanks through like just putting it out there, especially in the Twitter world, like because the voice, the voice of community lives in the Twitter world. Like they, they're, you know, they're yeah. in other social media, but they are especially powerful in, in Twitter. the Twitter world. In, and so I got to meet so many great voice of artists, whether like ones who are just starting out to the ones who've been working in the industry for years. And so once I started just sharing it, people were so, they, they, they would just share it. They would be like, oh my God, this list exists. Put yourself on it. Like there's, there was yeah. no requirement. Just like put yourself on the list. Every single day was almost like a maintenance duty of just like making sure that, you know, the information is correct. You know, there weren't some crazy people and there were a few, there would be people who would like delete the entire list and put themselves on top. And so wow. thankfully I would save the list every single day or sometimes a few times a day. So that I would, I would wow, always be able yeah. to go back to the earlier draft, but it was fine. And then like, it was weird that uh, it was so open-ended that anyone could input their entry. It was only until three months ago that I locked the system and you had to do it through Google form, which people are like, you should have done that from the beginning. That would have made your life <laughs> so much easier. And I'm yeah, like, yeah. yeah, I'm a guy who believes in work <laughs> harder, not smarter. I am yes. that guy. And then since then, like, I think the past few months, especially like it kind of was picking up for sure. But the last few months, that's when I noticed the major corporations noticing and the corporations that noticed were Netflix, Nickelodeon, Spotify, wow. Penguin, Ran Random House, and then like multiple voiceover casting offices, agents, and production offices. They started really noticing around April of this year. It was gratifying to see so many actors of color who never done voiceover be hired for Netflix jobs. For wow. like one actress in particular, it was her first voiceover, her first SAG after, and her first Net, like Netflix show. It was all first and all one go. I honestly think that when it comes to a lot of actors of color, we have been training to the point, but never really given the opportunity. And when we are given the opportunity, no surprise, we kill it because we've yes. been trained for this because we realized that like we couldn't be complacent about it. Mm -hmm. We had to like really be good at it, which is like, you know, that's also a problem where it's like, you know, we have to somehow overcompensate 
because no one will hire us. Mm-hmm. And so wow. she was she was ready for it. The now right now my agent uh, told me that their most ambitious thing is that they have a, another uh, gig where they need a lot of people. And when I when my agent told me how many Asian actors they are looking for, my mind boggled because they were looking for 164 Asian voiceover actors, and they wouldn't be yes. they wouldn't have done that if they didn't know this list existed. Because right now this list has over 800 Asian voiceover actors. Uh, that's within the Asian section, and then like in the, yeah. the, the black community, there's like oh, almost 300, and then indigenous, wow. which yes, it is smaller, but the fact that now there's like 47 was 46, that's amazing. 46 more indigenous actors than I ever knew. Now there's a Facebook group for it, so now there's like a community that I'm you know like fostering that kind of thing, and I think uh, more importantly, it just shows that you can do it. Like. You don't, you don't have to be like a professional, like, you know, an expert or like have all these things under your gig. And then I'm thinking of yeah. that, that Ratatouille quote where it's like from Gusto, where it's like, anyone can cook, you know? And I believe <laughs> that for a voiceover, it's like, you know, anyone can do it. Like, it's just like, as. but then the second part of that quote from Ratatouille is anyone can cook, but only the fearless will be great. And so that oh. is true. But yes, in voiceover stuff, you know, there's always the argument, why does this list even exist when it's all about the voice? It doesn't matter. And it, unfortunately, the thing is, you know, n- majority of the jobs still go to white voiceover actors because that yeah. is- that's the majority. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so I think, you know, I don't believe and especially during the pandemic, it was like to go away from the term using colorblind to color conscious, where it's like colorblind was like, yay, it seems great on paper where you can like, you know, cast whoever and doesn't matter about color but the thing is that their cultural heritage does matter so you can't just like blindly just place them in whatever movie you want you have to be conscious that this person is middle eastern or black or indigenous and so it doesn't mean you have to have like super cultural references you just have to know that like if it's like an like a korean person you're like i want this korean person and i want him his dad to be korean obviously because they're now that it's a korean actor but if you're going to have a Korean actor and he has a dad who is not an American citizen, there are certain things that immigrant parents do that white mm-hmm. parents will not do. You just have yeah. to be aware of that. And that's where obviously the conversation of like, you need to have like writers of color in the room because exactly. they know this kind of stuff. Anyways, yeah. long story short, that's where the voiceover thing started. And it was a passion project that continues to this day. And it looks like it's going to go for a while until it gets to a point where I know I did my job where it's so commonplace that yeah. this is not necessary. Like it's, it's, it's just become wow. the norm. To use yeah. That. But that's where we are now. And I also want to <laughs> say that like, I am so inspired and impressed that you started just these two projects you're talking about with us today, your film and this list it started just as something maybe you didn't think was going to soar and they are both soaring. And that is so admirable because it's like, Mm -hmm. that is a true artist doing it for the art or for the better or for whatever the reason is not for the benefit of it or for the fame of it, just doing it because it is your art or your idea or your passion. And then that's what an artist is right at the end of the day. So Thank you. You're awesome. Oh, no, I just saw this quote today and I was like, I have to, it's really short. It's just, uh, it was, we should lift as we climb. And that's rem- it's reminding me of what you, you're doing. You know, like as you're climbing, you're lifting up other people. And that's so important. 
And you should be very proud of yourself, Edward. I'm so happy to know you as well. So I think we're gonna jump right into our fun game, yeah, Jason? Yeah, it's called Name That Voice. Hey! (laughs) Jason, you wanna cue the music number one and take the first one? Yeah, so these are all gonna be true or false. I'm just gonna ask you like, you know, about voiceover people because you're, like I said in earlier, you're the voiceover king. That's what our game is today. (laughs) Uh, And then, yeah, cue the music. Uh, the first question is true or false? Mel Blank, who voiced the original Bugs Bunny, was also the voice of the 1990s Batman. False. Correct. 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 Good work. <laughs> Starting off. Strong. Also, a good start. Yeah. Okay. Next, true or false? Nancy Cartwright, who famously voiced Bart Simpson, also voiced Chucky Finster in Rugrats. That's a hard one. That's a hard one. I'm going to say true. Correct. Correct. Okay. Good work. He's like breaking a sweat. (laughs) I know. (laughs) We had a million dollars, but there's actually not a prize. No prize. (laughs) No prize. (laughs) Uh, True or false? DJ Daly, who voiced Tommy Pickles in Rugrat, was also the voice of SpongeBob SquarePants. This I don't know, so I'm gonna. But then I'm just thinking of the voice, uh, EJ Daly, who is the voice of Pickles. Yeah, Tommy Pickles. Yep. Tommy Pickles and Rugrat also did SpongeBob. Yeah. False. Correct. Correct. Three You're killing three. it. You're killing it. Okay, next. True or false? Phil Lamar, who famously voiced the Green Lantern, also voiced both Ren and Stimpy. Oh what? <laughs> oh. I'm like, Phil Lamar, I'm like, yeah, okay, I'm placing him. Samurai Jack. Okay. Yeah. I'm going to say false. Correct. Correct. You're killing it. <laughs> okay. You're killing it. True or false? The actor who voiced Cleveland Brown on Family Guy. Family Guy. Wow. The actor who voiced Cleveland Brown on Family Guy was a white male. Yeah, true. Yep. Mike Henry stepped down from the role in 2020, claiming... Characters of color should be voiced by people of color. Okay. <laughs> Just yep, a couple decades. <laughs> there we go. So to get the prize of 100%, true or false, Cree Summer, who famously voiced Susie Carmichael from Rugrats, also voiced Catwoman in the recent animated show, DC Superhero Girls. Oh my God. Um, True. She did. 100%. Yes. Wow. Voiceover king. Voiceover king. (laughs) By the way, a lot of firsts today. My favorite, worst survival job story. And Jason, maybe I'm wrong, but I think he's the only guest who actually got 100% without us just like tweaking it and saying you got 100 anyway. (laughs) You actually, we usually give everyone 100, but they usually F something up here or there. That was a genuine 100. So congrats. Man, this is a great the episode. questions are great. I love the questions because they really, I really think about it because then I was just like a lot of these actors. I'm like Chris Summer, Phil Lamar, like you know, the, like Mel LeBlanc, and like I yeah, like, I, I can just hear it because it's like I grew up listening to these you voices. Up, yeah, I'm like, exactly. And then when you and then when you're like Phil Lamar also did Ren and Stink, I'm like, I mean, he's a great <laughs> voice actor, but at the same time, they're, they're, he, when actors have certain timbers to their voice, I'm like, no, that, <laughs> yeah. yeah, no. Oh, this was a joy. Thank you so much. Yeah, this was awesome. What a great, great episode. Genuinely, thank you so much for sharing everything. Thank you. Yeah. 
Thank you so and before, much. Yeah. Before you go, Edward, where can other people stalk you that are just maybe finding out about you today on our sure. podcast, um, social media, website? For on, I definitely, man, since I talk about Twitter, I use that a lot now. So on, you can find me on Twitter, on Instagram. It's the same handle, at Cinnabon Monster, which I realize that's another story in itself. Cinnabon? Yes. I'm basically obsessed this. with this product. So that is where people will find me on, especially on the Twitter realm. Uh, a yes. lot of, because now I've been surrounded by so many of the voiceover community. It is a lot about voiceover stuff and, you know, Love giving it. advice and just like, or just me ranting like a bitch. So it's, it's, one, <laughs> of, it's one or the other. Yes. Aww. And if you're not following us and if you're tuning in for the first time because you love Edward and he's the best, follow us please at Survival Jobs Pod on Instagram and Twitter and at Survival Jobs a Podcast on Facebook. Love you guys. Love you, Edward. Sorry, I'm confessing my love for you so early. I know it's early into the relationship, but <laughs> thank you. You better, you better watch Make a Wish because Josephine's going to come for that ass. <laughs> No, I'm scared. Yeah, wait, can we watch it or we can't? Oh, yeah, it's streaming somewhere, right? It's it's still in the festival circuit, but I know we got picked up for distribution by Bloody Disgusting TV, so that will come on July or later this month, uh, July 24th. So it'll be available on Roku, Vizio, MX Player. So they will distribute our short for six months, I think. Along with a bunch of others. But we're also in a bunch of other festival circuits. So like, if you want to find the journey of that, there's a website for makeawishshortfilm.com. There you can find the upcoming screenings. Most of them obviously being virtual due to the pandemic. And also like, if you really want to know which festivals did it get into, I list all of them. It's all there. It's <laughs> yeah. all there. We'll definitely and survival jobs, yeah. survivors. Um, if you want to come to the Bridgeport Film Fest, we're offering ten percent off. You can see Edward's film "Make a Wish" live on Friday, July twenty third. I'm definitely going to watch it as long as soul. I'm not working. <laughs> yes. As long as I don't have duties that day, yes. Jason, I would love to watch it. <laughs> well, thank you again, Edward. Thank you, Sam. It was wonderful. Thank you. Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the RISE Theater Directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E dot org because only together we rise.